0: The most prolific companies in the world today are led by former developers, and that's why I'm so excited about this week's episode of Dev Interrupted. I've brought in Stephen McGill, former research developer and recently turned CEO of Muse.dev to talk about what it means to go from developer to business leader.
1: This episode is sponsored by Linear B. Give your dev team the power to improve with team-based metrics, high-risk code alerts, and the world's first project board based on real-time Git activity. Sign up free at linearb.io.
0: Stephen, thanks for joining me today on Dev Interrupted. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, awesome to have you here. Um, so, getting into our, you know, topic of uh, discussion, what we've kind of seen now is businesses have. Seen like a shift in company leadership. Maybe over the last twenty years, more and more companies are seeing uh, former devs be the CEO uh, of the companies. So, why do you think more companies today are being led by former developers uh, as opposed to you know traditional like salespeople?
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's it's interesting. I mean. It certainly all starts with product, right? And so right. <laughs> I think um it makes sense to have the first uh person in a leadership role the first CEO be, you know, from that technical background. Um it it provides a lot of advantages in sort of assisting with product management, but also there's a certain element of of trust I find, right? Like when when most of your organization is developers, um they kind of uh are are more willing to you know, take the suggestions of a, of a developer leader on faith, right? There's less convincing that you have to do, uh, which, you know, this just makes the process work um, smoothly. And then, you know, obviously, things shift over time, right? Sales becomes more important, marketing becomes more important, things, things shift, and, and other uh, expertise is important to bring in.
0: Yeah, I mean, early on, it probably helps to have a lot of clout with the engineering team, like we're building a product, you know, maybe we're a product like growth uh, company, um, a lot of the times, you know, gaining a lot of users early on, if you're kind of that PLG style company is almost more important than revenue. And we've seen a lot of companies get, you know, millions of users, billions of users, then, you know, the revenue comes later. Um, kind of like with that product first approach, and I don't know if that that's what you're doing for, for your, your company. But do you think that trend will continue?
1: Yeah, I think so, um, you know, especially with, um, you know, software as a service and everything sort of going into the service oriented um, uh, architecture, like it's much easier now for people to try things out, right? And people expect to be able to, to try things out and then make a purchase decision. And so, yeah. and it, really, so it really supports that uh, user growth first model, yeah
0: yeah it's pretty much the same for me. Like I don't want to talk to a salesperson really early on. Give me the product. Is this product amazing? If it's amazing, I'm in. If it's not amazing, eh, maybe I, I'm moving on. Um, so you know that that all makes sense. I wanted to talk um, talk some about the pros and cons of being a developer. And a business leader going from dev to business leader. Uh, For instance, you know, my, my product, Linear B, the product that my company creates, you know, we're, we're selling directly to uh, business leaders and we have developers as our users. So, you know, for me being a former developer, it kind of gives me an edge I can speak the same language as our users, Uh, you know, to be honest, it's kind of easier to come up with the next innovative thing to do in the product because you're kind of from that um, culture. What are some of the advantages or disadvantages you've seen being a developer and then now, you know, a business leader?
1: Yeah, um so first of all it's definitely the same way for me, you know, our our product is very developer focused and and we view developers as our core users and so, you know, it helps to be able you kind of have to be able to uh explain what a null pointer exception is and know what a thread safety error is to to show sort of the impact of the product and the value. Um I think, you know, in general even even in those cases where developers aren't your end users, um one of the advantages of coming from a technical background, from a developer background, um, I, I think people uh, with that background tend to be very logical in how they approach things. They tend to, you know, do research. They don't shy away from going deep, doing research, you know, figuring out all the options, um, and and making an informed, logical decision, right? And that can be super valuable in a lot of cases. Um, you know, I think the the potential downside is. Uh, that's not always what's needed, right? Sometimes you need to make a quick decision under high uncertainty um, without knowing the full story. Um, and, uh, and, and sometimes uh, people resist that if they, if they like to take a more methodical approach. And so, you know, you have to, have to cultivate a little bit more flexibility as well. But um, I think it's a great foundation to start from for those sorts of things. Yeah.
0: There's a little bit of a a balance there, actually. So you know, before I I founded Linear B in my former role, you know, I was a developer, then I was a team leader, and eventually I made my way onto the executive team as a as a VP of engineering, right? And I was probably like one of the last people to join the engineering team. There was always always like the sales driven CEO, the salesperson was there, customer success and product, and then finally me. And one thing for me is like what I felt I could really bring to the table that the executive uh, team was lacking is like that product perspective, customer perspective, what features are really being used, which ones are not being used. I always felt like that was an advantage for me coming from dev to, you know, being part of the, of the business group. Um, have you seen that in your career as well? Kind of just bringing that product mindset a little bit.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, I think um, there's a lot of uh, similarity between what makes a good project product manager and what makes a good, you know, uh, CEO or or C-suite level leader. You know, CTO uh, type perspective, which is really about bridging that gap between um, the technology side and the customer side, right? And and being able to to speak to both uh, both camps, right? speak both languages. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now on, on the downside, at least for me when I took on that role, I didn't know all of the sale, sales lingo, the revenue lingo, cost of cap, cost of acquisition, you know, all of that that kind of stuff I was weaker in that that area for me. And that's what they talk about, you know, at, at the executive table a lot, right? And for you, so, you know, if you could wave a magic wand and give yourself like plus 10 ability stats in one category, what would it be?
1: Yeah, so I think one thing that, you know, I've always been working on over time and, you know, continue to try and improve at, um, that was that was new to me at first, was uh, this idea of sort of not being personally responsible for things, right? So, like, when I was a developer, when I was an individual researcher, um, right? I I was doing the work. I knew what I could do and what the time frame would be, and and so it's easy to plan for that sort of thing. When you're planning for a large group of people to collectively do something, um, you really have to think things through a lot more, and you know, start start farther back um, and really really set up those processes that you know will get to that end result um and and provide robustness to you know sort of who's doing individual tasks and and make sure that that things happen as as they should and so setting up those processes was a new experience right um and something i continued to to learn more about and, and try and improve at so you know i think it would be in that in that process management operations sort of side of things uh that's where i'll put my uh New ability stats, my plus 10 here.
0: Yeah, I'm really happy you were kind of open and honest about that because as technical people, there's a certain sense of control when around the code. Or, you know, if I, you know, write it one way, it will have this outcome every time and I'm the one doing it. And of course, you know, as you get into more of a leadership role or a CEO role, like you have to scale and think about these processes and, and uh, rely on other people. I was wondering if you'd be willing or if you have any uh, story that kind of like epitomize this challenge for you.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. a um, I- I don't have, I don't have a story. I'll tell you something I do always struggle with that, you know, I'm always trying to optimize, which is like this balance of, I mentioned processes and you want to, you know, set things up so that the expected outcome happens and, and you get the expected quality level and everything. And, um, like to do that without a bunch of meetings and a bunch of synchronous work, um, I think is, uh, is like magic. Like the people who are really good at that, um, you know, that's something that I always strive to improve at. Because like, uh, it's so easy to just your whole day becomes meetings because you've oh. got to check in on X, Y, and Z, and then uh, you know, is that really the most efficient uh, way to go about things? So I think my calendar is the best gauge for me of how well I'm succeeding at this.
0: Yeah, I, I love it. I think like with the development culture, we always come with this in, in asynchronous mindset. Most of us do not like meetings. If you have a more sales-driven uh, CEO, it's like kind of meetings is the way to get things done. At Linear B, we're huge into asynchronous work, um, asynchronous communication. And that actually reminds me, you know, if you are going from like a developer to a uh, more of a business role, it's great to bring some of that previous culture, you know, in, into the system. And like, for example, one thing that I felt, again, when I went from like, uh, you know, dev to manager, and then eventually uh, VP of engineering, that continuous improvement mindset, I think was huge. So, you know, usually in in the dev or tech world, we always want to continuously improve, it's kind of baked into agile, we got to learn the next technology that comes out. I felt like a little bit on that executive team, like that, they didn't really have that mindset as much. And it really helped me to learn some of that. Okay, like I don't know about, you know, revenue, cost of acquisition, blah, 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 but I know how to put the discipline in to study it and to uh, continuously improve. So, you know, that was awesome.
1: Yeah, um, blameless, uh, blameless retrospectives too. That's another great dev uh, dev practice that's great to carry forward into business. That is perfect to have, have at the business table. Like really great, great
0: point. I, I love it. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about actually, you know, starting a company and how to turn, you know, just an idea into an action. Um, For me, about five years ago, uh, that last company that I've been talking about was uh, CloudLock and we, you know, eventually um, got acquired. And after that, I kind of wanted to find my own path. That's when I ended up uh, founding Linear B. But the thing is, you know, as you probably know, finding that great idea or identifying the next big opportunity in a market, it's super hard. And even now that I have a full operating uh, company and revenue-driving product, it's still really hard to identify and prioritize the next opportunity. So I wanted to ask you, you know, how do you identify opportunities in your space and take it from I have a, I think I have an idea to action.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the first step is uh, for me is just clarifying the idea, right? Because like you, you want to have your idea in a form where uh, you can tell 10 different people and have them all come away with the same notion, right? Like it shouldn't, often when, when ideas first come to you, there's a lot of context that's like in your head, assumptions you're making that maybe aren't part of how you describe it. And so you tell that to someone else and they bring their own background and their own context into that. Um, and so you want to have it specific enough that you can communicate it effectively uh, to other people. And then, you know, that lets you go out and then start talking to people who you think could benefit from this idea, right? Because you want to know, uh, if I do this, it's going to matter to someone, right? And so you can start having those conversations and see if there is alignment between what you're planning on doing and 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 what people need out in the world. Uh, and then, you know, and so then once you validate that... Um, there's a the question of, of where to start right what action to take first and and those conversations with the ultimate end users can inform that you know what's what's actually most important in this space what 's the biggest pain point um, but then once you identify that you have to you know then it then it becomes project planning right you have to think what actions do I need to take to effectively deliver this and start down that road and then um, you know it's an iterative process right you get the first chunk of your idea realized, you know it becomes it becomes reality. Uh, and then there's a question of what's the next step and, and the process repeats. Yeah,
0: I'm so happy you described some of those things. You know, when, when I was a developer coding, like if I had an idea, I could just implement it in code and then the product kind of spoke for me. And I've had the same, you know, problem once in a while here where as where you know, being a COO at Linear B, I have an idea but if I don't say it in the right way, it doesn't resonate, you know, with my, my audience and I have to like keep working on how to say it. So I can relate to that so much. I'm, I'm happy you, you brought that up. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, how do you prioritize uh, which ideas to, to work on? Because there's probably, you know, so many of them that might come to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so certainly impact and, and what you know of, you know, what will benefit your customers plays a big part in it. Um, but, you know, there's also, um, as, as you know, and as I imagine the, the listeners of this podcast know, there's often technological considerations around what makes sense to do in what moment as well. And so you have to sort of balance those two. Like it might be the best thing, you know, from a product perspective might be to implement X right now. But, you know, you're not ready to do that until, you know, A and B happen. Right. Um, and so. Uh, you know I think this is where um, this is where it 's really valuable to have someone who has that product management mindset that uh, and is able to to look you know look long term and and figure out like what are the steps that we need to uh, to implement the things we need to implement and also maximize our possibilities because you 've got to stay agile i mean you know companies at our stage right it 's all about being agile being responsive um, and so you want to keep opportunities open as much as you want to sort of Drive down a single path.
0: Have you ever made the wrong choice of what to work on next?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, um, I think, you know, like I said, the, you know, off, things change quickly, right? When you're at the early yeah. stage of a product. And, um, and so we've definitely sort of uh, put the, you know, applied the gas on a partic- in a particular direction. Um, And then realized, you know, a couple, you know, sometimes as early as a couple sprints later, right? Um, Actually, that's not as high priority as we thought. You know, we've had 15 more customer conversations since then. We've learned a lot more um, about, you know, what what people's experience is, and actually, this this is the other priority. And then, you know, and then that's that's always difficult. Like, what do you what does making those decisions to switch uh, to switch paths? Uh, you know, there's impact, and then you've got to think that through. And so I, I, I'm curious how you approach that.
0: Yeah, you know what, in that situation, I think it's just like the fail fast mindset. The sooner you can just admit to yourself or admit to the people, you know, that are work, developers that are working on your team, like everyone appreciates it. Like, listen, we messed up. <laughs> this wasn't the right thing to do, but I think this is the right thing to do. And here's why. I think that kind of just rallies people and everyone's excited to do the next thing. And you go and get that customer feedback and you do that a million times in small iterations. And yeah, for, for me, it's just being open and honest about the quick failure and moving on. Um, good advice. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about like the uh, taking action side. We talked about the setting priority side and maybe, uh, you know, the idea side. Um, and one story I wanted to tell. So, so my co-founder is Ori Karen. Um, he's our, our CEO as well. And he happens to also be a great developer. And so for us, you know, uh, years ago now, early on in the company, when we had this early idea for for Linear B, Ori was actually able to code a lot of the product and get a prototype going for us and get, you know, early adopter customers on. We actually didn't even have to hire um, too many developers because, you know, Ori had a great vision and he could do the work. Um, I was wondering for you coming from that research background, if being a, you know, actually having those, uh, development skills early on, have you seen any, uh, impact on action for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely, um, it definitely helps cause I can, you know, often do things or answer questions that I have myself, right? You don't have to go to the team and say, oh, can you write this script for me? Can you pull this data? Um, you know, I, and I think, I, I, yeah, I think that's often, you know, you, you, going back to our earlier conversation of why are so many leaders, you know, from the technology background uh, nowadays, I think that's another it's another thing that plays into that, right? In that early stage of the company, one one more developer makes all the difference, right? And so if the CEO can write code, you know, all the better. If the CTO can write code, you know, great. Um, the engineering manager is probably not managing too many people at, at the, for the first few months, so... Uh, you know, everyone, all hands on deck, right?
0: Yeah. It's almost like I just want to give a shout out to developers out there, technical leaders out there that are questioning whether they can go and start, you know, a company or they can go be a CEO. Um, Let's just acknowledge that early on, you know, being able to contribute code and actually build the product is one of the most important things you can have. If you just come in and you're some high level CEO with just a vision, like that's not always the best thing. Okay. And so, you know, you know, one of the last things or discussion topics that I wanted to bring up with you, um, I want to talk about making that transition from developer to being a company leader or, or a CEO in your, your case. And, you know, while the title itself might just switch overnight, Hey, I went to found a company now I'm a founder and CEO. Um, you know, it doesn't actually happen that way. Maybe more on a, a person level, a personal level, there is a transition that you go through. Um, do you have any strategies that you've used um, to help yourself become a, a more well-rounded business leader?
1: Yeah, um, I think what what's been most beneficial to me, and and what I would recommend for everyone else uh, in this position, is you know go go find a mentor who can help you through that transition, right? Someone who's uh, gone through it themselves or, or, you know, maybe they've always been on the business side, but they can bring that perspective um, to your decision-making because, you know, you can, you can read about it, you can do research, but um, there's a lot of value in being able to say, look, here's, here's the state of my world right now. Here's where things stand with the business. Here's the uh, questions I'm asking myself, the decisions I'm trying to make um and just talk through like the specifics of that situation right and both at the strategic and tactical level right you know what are what are your aims uh you know longer term and then what are what decisions are you facing right now um that sort of very specific advice is invaluable
0: yeah it's actually the first thing that came to mind to me, you know, having that mentor or someone that you can talk to is super important. I know that there are like some services out there that try to hook you up with a mentor. Um, you know, sometimes for us, like our early in- investors um, were great entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs. So that's helped. Do you have any tips of where to find that, that mentor that's worked for you if it's, you know, if you just don't have it initially?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know, definitely look in your network, right? Like people you've worked with in the past or maybe went to school with or whatever may have um, you know, gone out and founded companies since then and I I find are often very happy to reconnect um and, and offer advice. Um, you know, the I think investors is another good source, advisory board members, you know, um those those are helpful as well. Um, you know, for me it was uh I mentioned we're a spin out of Galois, the CEO of Galois, uh, you know, was a very great mentor, you know, as we got the company off the ground. So just look around. I think there's, you know, in most cases, there's someone you can reach out to if you if you think about it.
0: Yeah, I was uh, surprised. Actually, I think people take a lot of pride and have a lot of uh, take a lot of like self-worth in becoming a mentor. I remember at first I was a little bit shy about reaching out, but then once you do it, they're like, Oh my God, totally. Like I would love to do this. So that was a little bit uh, surprising uh, for me. Um, I wanted to ask you, is there any tips that you would give to a younger version of yourself that, you know, you kind of know now that you've been through this a little bit?
1: Yeah. I think the biggest piece of advice would be to uh, not sweat the small stuff. Right. And like it. What's small isn't always clear at the time, so you know maybe the general advice would be don't don't get too hung up on anything, right? Um, you try and try and look forward and move forward because, uh, things will go wrong, things will not go according to plan. You know, it's bound to happen, uh, occasionally, and uh, you can't dwell on that, right? You got to think about uh, you know, what options do we have? What's the best next step, um, and uh, and move forward. And I think it's uh, I don't know, I I, I that's another thing that I. have find often comes with an engineering mindset is you, you want everything to be perfect. You want your code to, you know, be uh, be exactly right and, and do the right thing under all circumstances, but that that doesn't really happen uh, at a business level. And so you have to go with the flow sometimes.
0: Right. It's almost impossible. It's, yeah, it's probably just not even a reality at a, at a business level. Um, and on, on the flip side of that question, you know, is there anything... Um, that really wasn't that helpful or, I don't know, things not to do.
1: Yeah, I think one thing that comes to mind is uh, just uh, sort of trying to be involved in everything, right? So initially I thought, uh, you know, if I go to all the daily stand-up meetings and I go to all, you know, have uh, one-on-ones with everyone all the time and, you know, like just really stay involved in every aspect, uh, you know, that'll that'll benefit things, right? I'll have more awareness, I'll have, you know, uh, and, you know, there's some truth to that, but uh, you know, I think the trade-off is, uh, is is not necessarily there, right? You have to, like I said, set up the processes, put the people in place, have the trust that you know things things will work out, and uh, and step back. And so, you know, I think that stepping back uh, step is important, and uh, that would be my advice. Yeah, that's invaluable uh, advice. Thank you so much for
0: sharing that. Um, we're just about to come up on time here. I always like to give back some time at the end to our guests. So the floor is yours. Uh, what do you have going on in your life right now?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, like I mentioned, small company, you know, CEO, uh, we just launched our product publicly end of July. Um, so it's out on, it's out on the GitHub marketplace. You can search for muse, uh, or muse dev on GitHub marketplace or go to muse.dev to check it out. And, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about um, collaboration and, and enabling, enabling teams to work well together and how do you facilitate that as a CEO? How, do you, uh, how does dev uh, leadership background play into that? Um, and our tool is really focused on uh, enabling better collaboration as well. And so, you know, my ask for, for listeners would just be we were looking for feedback, you know, so go try it out. Uh, let me know what you think um, and, uh, you know, send me your thoughts.
0: Steven, congratulations on the launch. That's awesome. And thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Dan Lines, co-founder of Linear B. If you're leading an engineering organization and want to increase your effectiveness using data, check us out at linearb.io. This has been another episode of Dev Interrupted. Thanks for joining us.